you hear me? No? A little bit? All right. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Y'all are great. That was great. New song. Did y'all enjoy that song? Yeah, that was a good one. Y'all pumped up in here this morning, right? From the gen. Yeah. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm excited today. I don't know if y'all can tell or not, but I hope you're excited. We're kicking off a new series. You know, I, I promised y'all a video a long time ago that I couldn't get played, but I did say that I would work it out. Hey, Bernie, are you up there? So listen by the countdown. You know where that video is at? It should be uh it should be of our our pastor. He <laughs> hey, where's Whitney at? Hey, up on the there's a video up there. Oh listen. Oh, okay, the sound was down. So in that video he says he goes and you hear clearly the divot. You hear the divot so clear. And he says, ah, I did it again. Smack. Ah, oh, okay, it's low. <laughs> Listen, I, we got it to play, but he's got something working for him. We'll just say that. Yeah, okay. All right, you can go back to the main slide. There is always next week. I, I didn't want to lie. I wanted to keep my word. I said I will play this video. So we're, we're kicking off a new series. This month is uh, Opioid Awareness Month, Addiction Awareness Month, Purple. And, you know, so obviously our Hope Homes and, and what we do as a church, you know, we support that and we're big on that. Uh, but also the Bible has uh, purple represents something in the Bible that we wanted to kick off, which can anybody guess? You guys are good, right? <laughs> no. So what, what I want to do, what, what I'm here on a mission to do today is for us to leave better and with a better understanding of who we are and the ability to walk in royalty like we've been called to. Amen. Does anybody know that? That you are called to be able to walk into royalty, into supernatural things, more than just your average person who doesn't know the Lord or isn't walking with the Lord? Uh, do, do we know that? I hope. Okay, well, if you don't, it's okay. I'm going to, I hope I can help that today because that's the goal in the manner of the kingdom. Where's David Grapes at? There he is. So I'm changing it up today, y'all. I always start out, well, I shouldn't say completely changing it up. I did throw a zinger at our pastor. But I normally, you know, joke with my wife a lot. I joke with David in, in certain translations. But for you, David, on all the translations that we went through, I like this one the best. And guess what it is? The King James, baby. So in your honor, I asked him if he was going to be here. I am using a King James verse. Go to the first slide, please. And it's in 1 Samuel 10.25. And this is, this is how we're going to start the, uh, the series, and this is kind of the basis of it. But uh, in verse 25, it says, Then Samuel told the people, everyone say, the manner of the kingdom. And wrote it in a book. And laid it up before the Lord, and Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. So that's going to be what we're talking about, the manner of the kingdom, royalty. And if we're going to talk about that, then I think it's only right that we talk about what? A king, right? Yeah, listen, Jesus is, is who uh, we're going to be pointing to, but we want to talk about some characters in the Bible, some kings that 
some things that they really represented and lived out to give us a great example of, of what this, the manner of the kingdom looks like. So we're going to be talking about King David. I really, this is going to sound weird maybe, but I'm really enjoying King David. I think he might be one of my favorite Bible characters. I was telling Fred that this morning. As the more I'm, there's so much about him, I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to have, a fi- have to find a place to stop because I could talk about him probably for the next year. There's so many things about him that's super cool. But what we're going we're gonna to just focus on a, a few key points today. But where I want to start is how many know that King David was the second king of Israel? Yeah, some people are raising their hands. So if he's the second, that means there, there had to be a first. Saul, there we go. Look, some of y'all read your Bibles in here. Um, I'm just kidding. So uh, just a, a few did you know about, about Saul. So he's from the tribe of Benjamin, along with another great leader in, uh, in the Bible. Anybody have a clue who that is? Paul, there you Hey, look at you. There we go. Um, so he's the first king. He was about 30 years old when he became king. The name Saul means asked for or prayed for. I want you to remember that. And it was funny as I was reading it when they were like picking out a king. They said, oh, it's got to be him because he was the tallest. He was, uh, he was like a foot taller than half the people. So they're like, you know, leave it up to the people, personal appearance, right? If that was the case, David Jacobs, you'd be, you'd be the king, bro. Right? Yeah, you and Dur- yeah, you and Bernie have to duck to get in here. You guys would be first. You guys would be fighting for it. But here's here's what I'll say, because I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on Saul, but I am going to tell you that my I believe the reasoning in my reading that Saul became king was the continuous lack of trust that the Israelites had in God Himself. So. He decided to, all right, I'm going to give the people what they want. I'm going to let you have what you want. And he, he was anointed. He was king. He was all that. But it's, uh, it's interesting when you read the story about him becoming king and them kept asking because they wanted to be like everybody else. They were like, we want, we want a king. We want a ruler. Like, give us something. So he's like, all right, let's go. Pick the guy. He is out hiding, behind, hiding by the supplies. And they're like, that's him. The king is hiding, he's hiding, and, and they pick him out, right? It's funny. So for, I'm just going to read a little bit about how we get to King David. And this is in 1 Samuel 13, if you got your Bibles and you want to pull them out from 1 Samuel. So verse 13 says, you have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had... He would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler over his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Everybody say amen. So what happened here was, so Samuel gave Saul, quick little rundown, Samuel gave Saul uh, a command and told him that you're to wait seven days. He said, wait the seven days, wait till I get there, and then that's when you can pre- present the sacrifice. So so Saul's like, I'm not waiting. You know, they're attacking things, they're happening, they're fleeing, all, all kind of stuff that you can imagine is going on in war is happening. So he decides to take it upon himself and not wait and goes ahead and does it. And so in return, this is what happens. So his, his disobedience, his lack of patience, not trusting in, in you know, who God is and waiting on his timing basically is what helps him uh, be removed from uh, king. Next slide is 1 Samuel. We're jumping a little bit here. We're, we're in 1 Samuel 16.1. says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. 
so this is, uh, this is us leading into how Saul is removed, the first king, leading up to the second king being introduced. And it says in the next, next verse, when they arrived, Samuel saw Elab, I'm going to butcher that, and thought, surely the Lord anointed uh, stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider, I want you all to listen to these things. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the, come on, say it again. The Lord looks at the, so, and I just found this interesting because, again, when we were, when he was anointing, you know, when Saul was being chosen as the king, they were like, he's the tallest. That was like their big thing, like he's the tallest. We're going to find out soon about David who uh, is the smallest, the youngest, however you want to put it. But, but again, uh, the natural is to look on the outside. And listen, guys, I know we're sitting here and we know and we've heard this. The story I'm going to use the majority of the time here, uh, we've all heard a thousand times. What I'm going to ask today is that you're going to open your eyes and your hearts to really see something different because we have all sat here and been said, well, yeah, well, you know, God looks at the heart, man looks at the outside. But the reality of it is, are these things really sinking in? Because if he looks at the heart and he checks our heart and we come to find out about David and his heart, we're going to really see why he was selected and why he actually changed and set the standard for kings to come. It's going to be, it's going to be incredible. But, but, yeah, so God looks at the heart, not the outward appearance. So, next slide. So, he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. I want to pause right there for two seconds. He is doing what he needs to be doing. I think from right off the bat, that's what is one of the key things that kind of made him. And he's young, y'all. Like, he's a young man right now. But guess what? At a young age, he's doing exactly what he needs to be doing. And he's learning at a young age. See, he was groomed up to royalty. But he learned at a young age of what it is to serve and tend to the sheep. And that, that's a key thing here we need to really focus on. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him, and he had him brought in. He was glowing with health. Everyone say he was glowing with health. Is that me or what? What was it, flipping? Oh. Um, and he had fine appearance and handsome features. David's a, a fine young little man. And the, and the Lord said, rise and anoint him. You ready? Here's my faith. This, this is us, y'all. Ready? Everyone say it with me. This is the one. Oh, man. When I, this is the one. That excited me. I was sitting in that office, and I'm all set. I'm jumping. I'm like, Let's go, baby. This is the one. I need to know more about this guy. So, so we find out Saul disobeys, right? He doesn't keep the commands of the Lord. And so he's out. So Samuel sends him, says, I've sought out a man after what? Sends him, anoints him. David's anointed right now, y'all. He's been anointed. He is, he's got everything that he needs, and he is 15 years old. We're going to talk, right? Wow. We're going to talk about it. So here's a, a few things before we jump into David that I just want just to point out. David's from the tribe of Judah. Who, who else came out of that? Uh, oh, yeah, Jesus, y'all, right? He's from Bethlehem, also known as the city of David. So the, at one time, Bethlehem was known for the city of David. So now, you know, you always chalk that up to that's, you know, Jesus was born, all this stuff. But, man, when you think of David coming out of there, too, like, for it being a pretty low place, it, it produced some pretty powerful things in life, didn't it? How about that? 
So anointed at 15, he actually became king at the age of 30 to 37 is when he officially started to rule. And I, I just thought that was super neat, too, because the patience, right, the patience that David had to, to continue to trust, to continue to serve, to continue to do everything that he was called and asked to do until it was time for him to, to take over and do his thing. Super interesting. So you want to act like, oh, why has it been so long? I have to wait. Well, listen, everybody else had to wait, too. So he was Israel's second king. His name means beloved. And he was the second most talked about person in the Bible. Bill is checking me right now. I'll give you a minute. I'll wait. But yeah, so after Jesus, David is actually the number two mentioned person in the Bible. I just find these things interesting. Like there has to be a significance there. If he's talked about that much, there has to be a reason. That's important to me. So, he's there. My man's on it. So now we're going to begin to get into, after a little backstory of Saul and how David's coming up, the key things of what I believe made David different from everybody else, the manners of royalty. And my heart today is that as we leave here, I hope that we chase after something which is God, trusting him with everything, but that we will leave a little bit better. We will actually walk and hold ourselves to a higher standard that he holds us at, and we'll begin to walk in that. And I'm telling you guys, it's going to really start to change a lot of things in our lives if we will realize what we are and what we have the ability to walk in, and it's, it's not that hard to access it. Man, I'm excited about this. So the first, the first thing that I'm going to bring up, you can go to the next slide, is David more than anything showed his faith but lived it out. I know y'all are like, what? This is, I've been to church how long and we talk about faith as we understand that. No, I need you to understand that his, his life was a picture of his faith in action, like lived out. And I believe... Once we get to a place, bless you, in our lives that we're able to trust so much in God and know that he will not, not settle. I'm going to remove some things today, I hope. Not say, I, I know God can. I want to get that out of all of our thinkings because it, knowing he can is just hope. But knowing he will is, is belief. And this is what's going to really change everything about us being able to take it from walking it, talking about it, to walking it in our everyday life, in every situation. Because I hope that as we learn a little more about David, that he was far from perfect. But the one key thing that he did is he never turned from God's will. He messed up. He made some mistakes. But he didn't, he didn't run from God. He ran to him. And we can learn some, some valuable lessons about that. So we're going to talk about David and Goliath. Everyone's like, oh, I've heard this a thousand times. You didn't hear this, you didn't hear this version. We re <laughs> we're reading a different Bible. No, I'm just kidding. But first to do that, I want to have a little bit of fun. Hey, Rock, come here, Bubby. Yeah, you already know, bro. You don't even got to ask. Come here, Goliath. Right? Watch your head on the lights. I can't adjust them right now. Yeah, so you just need to stand here. You don't need to. Here, you come over here. Here, can you come up more in the center? Listen, you think Goliath stood all proper? He's a warrior on the battlefield, bro. Yeah, let him hang out. Here, face him, face him. So listen, I just want to give you all a picture real quick, okay? Because when you think of David and Goliath, like, I need you to realize something. David... This is my son, by the way. Yeah. So David is a 15-year-old boy running back and forth from, from, from Saul to, to tending the flock. Like, he was doing his thing, right? He was, he was loyal. 
He's running back and forth, 15-year-old boy. So his dad takes him one day and tells him, hey, run down to the battlefield. And I need you to take down some cheese to the captains, take down some bread, take down these things, and check on your brothers. Like, go check, see how they're doing. Come back, give me a report, all this stuff. So David's doing that. I'm just trying to stall a little bit because he, he don't like to be up here, so I'm trying to help him out. But so when it gets to the point of battle, which I'm going to jump back a little bit, but I want to give you all a picture. You have a 15-year-old little boy that hears something that trusts completely in God. You have this massive warrior. Like, I need you all to understand the difference here and what you're talking about. Yeah, like, he can palm his head. Look at that. But you have a little boy that has no problem standing up against this giant. And this is the picture. I think we don't really realize when, we, when, we're, when we're reading this story. We don't get a visual. We think about it, and then we try to compare our giants. But I really need you to understand, we have a, a small boy that's 15 years old that he tends to flop. His brother even makes a joke. He's like, what are you doing here? You just came to see some sights. You don't, you don't, what do you hear? You need to go back and, and deal with your, your couple little sheep that you're dealing with. And then this guy's out here just ranting, ready to cut slay heads off, right? He's, hey, who's going to fight me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, look at this. All right, I'm going to go back into it. Thank you, guys. Give him a hand. But the, the picture I want to show you is that this is a small boy. But when I say he, this is the difference, y'all, of knowing that God will and hoping that he will. Right? Because he can, right? We always say that. Oh, I know God can, but here's the difference. You take a, a small boy that has a heart knowing that his God will it's his battle. He says it. It's his battle. He'll deliver him over. But he knows, and I'm telling you, I can't wait to get into this. I'm getting ahead of myself now. But I was so excited to show you because when we see it, I think it changes things. We see the difference, and we see the, the I don't even know what you call it, the, the gap that if I asked any of y'all in here, all right, listen, we're not a betting church. I'm not saying that. But. If we were to take bets, I doubt anyone was putting any kind of, I wouldn't say money, uh, chips, ramen noodles, I don't know, you know what I mean, <laughs> on, yeah, right, you know, but you're not throwing any on rider's side, right? You're going to sit and lie to me. Listen, Saul and the whole army wasn't stepping up to Goliath. So I know ain't none of y'all in here going to bet on the smallest, youngest, little shepherd boy who's running back and forth, bringing cheese to the line. Like He ain't, he ain't supposed to be there. He's not old enough to be there, actually. Might want to be, but he's not old enough. All right. So now we got that picture in our, our mind. It says, But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and evening, and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, take the, take the roast grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commanders of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. Next slide. Early in the morning, David left. Now listen, David had something to do, right? He was given, given something to do. I find this interesting that it points out that David left the flock in the care of a shepherd. I hope that you start to see that everything that David did, he wanted to make sure that he was going to be, uh, it was that his integrity was never going to be questioned, that he was going to, he was, he was loyal, he was faithful, he was all these things. So, and, and even being given a command from his father to leave, he made sure he took, took care of what he was entrusted with first. Oh, this is so good. Um, and he said, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. So, listen, y'all. 
He's a 15-year-old boy. He is doing what he needs to be doing, and he's listening to his father. This thing keeps falling. I'm sorry. But I'm bouncing around. It says he reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. So listen, there's a war going on. So David runs down, and listen, he's, still, he's doing everything his dad asked him. Left his supplies, and he ran to the battlefield. He talked to his brothers, and, you know, again, he's following everything he's doing, every step he's making, he's following directions. He's not deviating from what he's doing. He, I, and I can't imagine, I would be like, squirrel, right? there's a battlefield, you know what I mean? There's a big giant out there. I'm like, what? Let me go see that. Oh, the cheese melted. <laughs> no, but it didn't do what I needed to do. But it says, um, go, go, to the, go to the next slide, because this is, this is going to be good. And stay right there for just two seconds. Said he ran to the battlefield, the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. So after he does this, you know they're doing their they're doing their chance, whatever. Then some guy is saying, "Hey, if uh, whoever defeats this guy, you know he's going to get the king's wife. He's going his family's not going to have to pay taxes. Like all of these good things, right?" And he and David's, you know, David's there. David's listening. He's talking to his brothers, but he hears this. So then he asks the question again. He's like, "Wait, what?" He's like, "What happens to the the person that stands up to this Philistine?" And, and you know, what I mean, he he says, "What what happens to this? What do they get?" So, so in that, then the brother gets mad. That's what I'm saying. What are you doing here, tending to the sheep? You should be back there. Like you're not you're not supposed to be here. You're only here for this reason. You're only here for that reason. Whatever the case is. And so in all this conversation, and he's trying to figure out. I skipped over the favorite part that everyone likes. The cursing in this part, the who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Yeah, it don't sound like a lot, but back then that was like pretty much you're talking some wild stuff. But so then Saul hears this, sends for him, brings him to his tent, right? And and this is uh this is what kinda this is what kind of struck me for a minute, y'all. I, I again I'm focused on David. So David says to Saul, this is after Saul sends for him and brings him back. He says, David says to Saul, let no one lose, everyone say heart, on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Guys, I'm scratched, like I scratched my brain at this and I kind of left it on its own uh, because that is wild to me, a 15-year-old little boy hearing all this stuff. You got all these, all these soldiers, all these people prepared to do this, and you got, you know, the king Saul, all of this stuff. But this little boy's response, his first thing is saying, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. And that messed me up because I'm just like, Wow. What a heart to have that, that in all this, like you're thinking about others. And, and yeah, and he says in the conversation of hearing the chant that, you know, who is this that defiles the, the armies of God? Like, you know, David stands for this. He's faithful to this. He believes in this. He trusts in this. He's loyal to this. And that, you know, that bothered him. But when he goes to Saul, he says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Listen, you don't say that unless you are 1,000% confident in your heart and the fact that you're going to stand in and step in knowing your God will and you don't want others who are going to doubt you, who are telling you that you shouldn't, you don't belong here, you don't, any of this stuff, you don't want them to lose heart. Oh, it, was a, it, it threw me for a loop. And then I started thinking, what does this, like, how can this help me? 
how, how can I look at this and read into this for it to, to help me? And, it's, and this is how I looked at it. If I would put a blank where Philistine is, the Goliath, my giant, your giant, everyone's giant, because I only did that because everyone likes to do that. They like to compare their stories and put themselves, oh, well, my giant's this. But what could I replace Philistine with? Like, let no one, like David, if David was speaking to me, like, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. What in your life, guys, are you losing heart because something that's up against you, your family? Uh, I, I, I listen. I don't. I don't know. We could make a long, long laundry list, but in this, my heart is to challenge to ask you, what is it that you could place in that blank? And I know that everyone has something that they can place in there. And this is not like, I don't want to get way off track, but I do want you to just challenge and ask yourself, because David is so confident in his God. He, he trusts so much that even at 15, he's like, hey, I don't, I don't want them to lose heart. Let me, let's save that. I'll go. And I, I don't know, some, somebody in here today, I, I believe this was for, and to say that remove Philistine from that, and God wants me to let you know to not lose heart in whatever it is that's up against you. And, I, and again, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a marriage. I don't know if it's a sickness. I don't know if it's, it's just a, a tragedy, tragedy in your family. Uh, again, I, I don't know, but what I do know is that if you lose heart, and you take trust out of God in the situation, and you place it somewhere else, you're going to find anything but God in that situation. So today, I just want to help in this little part right here to try to tell you, not lose heart. Whatever you stand up against, stand up knowing that the battle is the Lord's. He's going to hand it to you. You, you, we think we're out here doing, we're doing too much. I'm going to let you all know that. We're trying to do too much. He, it, the battle's his, and he wants to hand it to us. So, moving forward, Saul replied, You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. There it is again, y'all. I, again, I hope, I, I hope I'm helping bring something back in. The very first thing that David started out with and what he was trusted in, the thing that he is keeping his eyes set on, and, and, and again, he is doing it. It's important to him. Keeps coming back up. So David's using that. The first thing that he's been given to Stuart and given to as a job, as, as whatever it is, he, he is using that constantly in everything that he does. He says, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. Man, he's like, I want to like, I want to go after it. Struck, it. struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when a lion or a bear. So listen, y'all, these are two different animals. These are two different fights. I imagine probably much different in, in how they went down. A bear is definitely unique. They are fast. They can climb. They can do all this. Lions are definitely, I'm not a big cat fan, so I don't, I don't I, they're bigger cats. I'm, not, I'm just not there if you're a cat fan. I love you, but. I'm not a dog fan either, but I got five of them, so figure that one out. But, right? But your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. This is another key moment of why this is a man after God's own heart. He's been keeping him. 
when, when one is carried off, he goes and gets it. I go after it. Let's keep moving forward. We've got a lot here. 36. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. This is, this is important to understand here. What is he saying in this? Yeah, 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 listen, because God's got all of us. But he sees every situation that it's no match to God. Every circumstance. Like I said, a bear is different than a lion. You can clearly see that the giant that we just saw standing up here is, is different from the little boy. Right? There is, there is a, a trust there that when I say that he knows no matter what the situation is, that he knows. And guys, listen, here's what I want happen, to happen today. This is a, a goal of mine. That to trust whatever level it's out of yours, I want you to raise it. Because all of us sitting here have read this story, have thought about this, have said these things. But again, our trust seems to not ever rise up. Because then the next battle hits, then what is it? Oh, man, but I don't know about this one. But David is showing here that no matter, no matter what is happening and what he's up against, I don't care what you bring in front of me or what you put in front of me, I know that God's going to do it. Not God can do it. Again, that's hope. God's going to do it. And there's a, there's a big difference in this. And he knows that it's God who rescues him. He knows that it's God that does all of it. Next slide. He's there. So David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these. Everyone say, I cannot go in these. He said to Saul, because I am not used to them. Say, I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth, smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of the shepherd's bag, and with his slang in his hand, approached the Philistine. Everyone say, approach the Philistine. So I made two little notes down here. Some people are stuck in situations because you are trusting everything but God. I've been saying that, and I'm going to say it. When we live out our faith knowing God will, that's what gives access from heaven to touch earth. I need you all to hear that. Say this with me. When we live out our faith, Knowing God will, that's what gives access from heaven to touch earth. So I want you to think about this. I cannot go in these because I'm not used to them. And as I'm like thinking about that, so here's another level of trust, right? So Saul's trying to give David, David's in the tent, right? Saul's trying to give him his his tunic, his armor, his, yeah, like, and guys, listen, at this time, that would be the stuff. Like, if, if I was about ready to go play basketball, I'd be like Michael Jordan, be like, here, take my shoes. The ones from Space Jam, you know what I mean? And, yep, those ones. And that would mean me being like, eh. That, I probably would take them. But I'm being for real, I need you to understand this. This is something big that, he, that he's, he's offering up. And this is a huge, crucial turning point in this because David says, I cannot go in these because I am not used to them. Guys, listen, there's some things that we're trying to do and face and go through that we're trusting other things and wondering why they're not working because guess what? We're not used to them. It was never meant to be that way. And as long as we continue to walk in these things and we continue to go trusting other things other than God, because what David understood and knew is that it wasn't no amount of armor he was going to need. 
How do I know that? Because he says, you fight with swords. I don't fight that way. If I don't fight with swords, you fight with swords. I don't fight that way. If I know how, what's going to happen, I don't have no need to put this on. We are putting on things and trying things and solutions that aren't working out, and we cannot wonder why, because the thing that we need to do is just trust that God is the only thing that we need in this. And guys, listen, we've heard this. I want to try to figure out how we translate hearing it to doing it. Not saying he can and stay here, but saying I don't need that armor and I'm going to do it. That's the thing that I want to figure out today and help. Because if we can, if we continue, and I don't, I hate the word I cannot. I'm just not a big fan of it. I like, I like how he says it here, but that cannot, like, I, I'm super big on that. Like, I don't want to believe that I can't do anything. Now, that's not, I understand to a certain extent, but again, the mindset is, I, I want to know that what lives in me and, and what God has done for me and proven to me, that the sky is the limit for us as believers, y'all. Like, I, like seriously, I, and I think we struggle to say certain things because then it's like, oh, whoa, I don't know if we should say that or we can say that. But here's the reality. I want to be really believe in that. I want to live in the thing that he gives us access to. And I'm, I'm tired of trying every other solution but him first, when if I just would have went to him first, things would have turned out super different, and I would have been like, oh, wow, holy cow. How many times am I going to, I did it again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> he said, oh, yeah. So, he approached the Philistine. This was the key that kind of brought it into me. That I cannot go in these because I'm not used to them. He tried, It says some translations, he tried walking around. It wasn't this. And it made me realize that in those areas, never lead. When we stay stuck in, in trusting and trying everything else, we, we never get to the Philistine. Again, remove the move Philistine and put your situation there, whatever it is. We don't go from the tent to the trench. You follow me? We don't get from where we are talking about it to actually facing it. We don't make it. We don't make it because we're trusting in everything else but God. And when we trust just in him, he brings it to it and brings us through it. Amen? Come on, y'all. Follow me here. Approach the Philistine. There's some basic key things here that I think we're missing in, in a lot of this about what, what David's doing. But he, does, he doesn't just talk about all this stuff. When he, when he presents himself, I will go fight it. He then goes, stands in front of it. And then we're going we're gonna to talk about as he's approaching. Meanwhile, next slide, he's there. Meanwhile, the Philistine was with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy. Say, a little more than a boy. Glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him. I know you saw a little 15-year-old or 13-year-old boy. He ain't 15. He was 13. He was handsome. He was glowing. Might have been his yellow shirt. But I found that interesting, too, that that. Goliath, when he saw David, he saw that he was a little bit more than a boy. It says he was glowing with health and he was handsome. He's still like nine foot tall. Like you know what I mean? Why would that why would that appearance kind of throw him off? Why would that make him be like, you know, he's a warrior, been fighting his whole life, and this is a little boy? I found that super interesting that that was, was plugged in there. And I believe that he was glowing because David knew as he's approaching what's about to happen. He could see it. You ever heard someone say it's written on your face? I believe it was written all over David's face. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David 
by his God. Next slide. Come here, he said, and I'll give you flesh. I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Everyone say amen. amen. The God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied this day. Everyone say this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand. I'll say it with confidence at least. The Lord will deliver you. <laughs> and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And this is, this is what I love about David's heart. The world, the whole world, will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathering here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle, everyone say this with me, the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. So guys, this is, this is David's faith lived out. And I pointed out some keys in there, but it encouraged me so much in a lot of areas about how David responded. The other thing I just want to kind of point out there that this is kind of David's first public appearance, y'all. Like, He's in the front of the army. He's he's out there. He's in, this is his first like go around. And what struck me about it was that it kept saying, "I've tended to my father's sheep. I've tended this. I did this." So everything that David did in the secret of not in the public's eyes was not a problem to express it when the time was needed to express it. To show it, to stand on it, to say, hey, what? He wasn't over there like, how big is he? What size shoes he wearing? What? Like, what's he got? Like, what? He wasn't doing all that. David wasn't, he, that didn't matter at all. Because, again, everything that David did, his whole heart was saying, the whole world, this was the whole key of it. But David knew, but it wasn't for David. This is actually what David got sent him running because they're coming home chanting, Yeah, Saul kills by the thousands, David by the ten thousands. Don't quote me, I don't know the exact number, but that was the chant that was happening that made Saul jealous that sent now David on this, this, this run. But that was not David's heart. David wasn't, David didn't say, I'm going to go fight this battle so I can get all this. The thing he says to Saul is, I, I will go fight so they don't lose heart. Now, I, I don't think you guys are hearing it. You're, you're missing that what he's saying here and what David's heart is showing. And that when he won it, he said, I won the victory, but it's not mine. It's so everybody will know that there is a God in Israel. Listen, people need to understand, guys, that listen, the God in us and the thing that we're doing that we're trying to advance his kingdom. Right? Amen? No? I want to help you out here. Because David understood that stepping up was going to create something. That's why I said when his faith stepped up, that's what helped open up and for us to see that heaven touched earth. That's the goal here on earth as we live. I don't know if you guys know that or not. But we always say, yeah, we want to see heaven on earth. Guess how you do that? Through your faith. It's simple. It really is that simple. David's heart was to step out and understand and know because the, the, it's a constant battle with the Philistines. Constant battle that was going on. But David stepped out to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to make sure that everybody knows you're God. You're the one that gives. You're the one that does all this and that you're the one that, that, that reigns here. It's only you and by your hand. So that was my first point. That was the longest one. I'm sorry. I'm going to try to go. And she's laughing. <laughs> um, uh, next slide. Next slide. 
All right. So the second thing I just want to point out with David is his heart of loyalty. I said this earlier, David never turned his heart from God's will. David was loyal to King Saul. David's loyalty would end up being the standard that which other kings would be judged by. The next slide, we're not going to read all this, but in, in 1 Samuel 28, 8 through 13, this is the message translation. Uh, if you want the scripture, you can go back and read. For time's sake, I'm not going to read through all of it. But basically, in these two accounts here, uh, he's on the run. David's on the run. Saul's pretty much hunting him down, trying to find him and kill him. And David has opportunity with him and his men to kill Saul. He's, he's got a couple different opportunities. But David chooses not to. And I find this so fascinating. David's heart, again, proves that he, he's, he's loyal, he's, he's faithful, everything that, you know, I can't imagine. I'm, I know everybody in here has had things happen in their life, and if you could have this one opportunity to just get that leg up, ooh-wee, we are taking it, no problem. And you're like, you don't know me. I don't, listen, I'm just saying it's hard to not want to seek revenge, especially in all, everything that David's gone through. And David chooses to say, no, it's not for me to do that. It's, it's for the Lord. That's the Lord's. I, he's the anointed one. He was anointed by you, Lord. I'm not going to lay my hand on that. I'm not going to touch that. I respect who you are. I respect your anointing on his life. It's yours to give, not mine to take. I'm not going to touch it. And and that's and that's the two. The the next one I have too is the First Samuel twenty six nine through eleven. Next slide. And uh, same situation. Another opportunity to 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 get back at Saul. And he, and he says, don't you dare hurt him. Who could lay a hand on God's anointed and even think of getting away with it? He went on, as God lives, either God will strike him or his, or his time will come to and he'll die in bed or he'll fall in battle. Which Saul ends up doing what? Falling in battle. But God forbid that I should lay a finger on God's anointed. Now grab the spear at his head and the water jug, and let's get out of here. So another example where King David, that all, although, could be a great example, although Saul was after him and not loyal, so to speak, to him, he still remained loyal to Saul. Because it was it was God's anointing on Saul's life. It's it's just so it's so fascinating when you think about David as a human making these choices that we act like it's so hard for us to do that he shows and gives us an example of really drastic things happening and being able to to still choose God and what God has uh, God's will is and he's able to to choose that and then. First, I use 1 Kings 15. Next slide. And this is just an example of, of his heart that he committed all the sins his father has done before him. His heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his forefather had been. So he's talking about another king, and this is where I say that his loyalty sets the standard that David's loyalty to this that later on they're talking about other kings and it references David here to prove that his standard of how he was, it's saying that as the heart of David, his forefather has been, it didn't match up. It wasn't the same heart. Didn't have the same devotion. Huh? Uh, yeah, next slide. 
no, back one. Yeah, there we are. No, you're good. Um, and then my last point, and this is a, a big one. Next slide, please. David had a heart of forgiveness. David had a lot of things, but these are the couple keys I pointed out. So everybody knows that David, he had his little uh, adulterous affair that led into the murder, that led into this. Uh, so he had his flaws. He had his things that, that he went through as well to try to paint kind of the picture of no matter what David went through, to still show where his heart was. So e even in the, the whole uh, getting uh, Bathsheba pregnant, killing the husband, doing all that stuff, he says it's, it's his heart, and this is where I say that in return of, of all of that is him understanding what he did, and then he had a heart of repentance. He had a heart of forgiveness. He chose to say, hey, I was wrong. God, please. And he wrote this psalm. I used one. There's so many psalms. I had to cut so much out because David contributed a lot that I had to like. So if I didn't pick your favorite one, I'm sorry. <laughs> but Psalm 51, he says, for the, for the director of music, a psalm of David. When the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adulterous, adultery with Bathsheba, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquities, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know, for I know you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. So that, why I chose that, because it tied into what I was saying about how he knows that it's, it's God. All of it. Even when he sinned, he sinned against God. His heart was so devoted to God that he, in every situation, that's, that's what he compared everything to. It, it, all of it. He was loyal to him. He trusted him. That when he messed up, he knew that he knew really who he was and how much he was loved, that he ran to him. He didn't turn from him. He didn't run and hide. He didn't do really what every other king, it says, did when they're faced with having to really face the things that, that, that they've done or the lack of care to hold the commands. In another psalm, he says, I loved your laws. I, I don't have it up there, but, but he says, I love your law and I will keep your commands. This is how much he was devoted and trusted in God. And the law, you got to understand in his time, that's the only thing he had. He didn't have what we have. The word, you could say, is, is our thing that he had back then that he devoted himself to, that he trusted. So, I want to wrap up with these next couple slides I'm going to run through, is that King David served his purpose. And we know that because in Acts 13, it talks about it. And I'm just going to read real quick through. It says, after Saul had ruled 40 years, God removed him from office and put King David in his place. With this commendation, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Commendation. I know. I, just, I can't. I've searched the land and found this David, son of Jesse. He's a man whose heart beats to my heart. A man who will do what I tell him. I know. 23. For this man, this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. It goes on to say, we will tell you the good news, what God promised our ancestors. He has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus, 
as it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. And then in 36 through 39, now when David has served God's purpose, everyone say, David has served God's purpose. In his own generation, he fell asleep, he was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. But the one who God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from, their, from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Amen. So what? So as I'm wrapping up here, that David, I said earlier, he set the standard. God really set the standard. Trusting anything but God will lead to everything but God. It's time to take your trust back. Place it where it belongs. And I'm going to say, I'm just saying these again because I, I want this to sink in. Knowing God can is hope. Knowing God will is faith. And my question today is that as, we, uh, as we're talking about David and everything that he, he was and everything that he went through and everything that he did, Will you, will, will you fulfill your purpose in this generation? Will you begin to walk in the royalty that we truly are? And the other, the other thing I want to close up with is look where you're standing. Guys, this is important. I need you to understand, like, look where you're standing. Everything that we've been through, everything that life has offered, um, we're anywhere from 13 younger kids in here up to, I don't know how, I don't want to say an age, I don't want anyone to get offended, the, the ripe age of 50, and no one ever here is over 50, right? I didn't think so. But, but what I want to say is, David fulfilled his purpose. David walked in these things. We have Jesus now, y'all. We, we we're not going to decay. Like, I want us to get this in our spirits that listen, we're we're walking and settling for less than what He has for us. So, like, seriously, we're walking and settling for so much less when He has so much more. And I think we often forget where we're standing at. That everything that has been done, we still ha stand here having an opportunity to say, hey, look what you did. And that's what David was able to do best. That in, in whatever situation, it's yours to give, God. My heart today is, is for us to, to adopt the heart of David, understanding that Whatever it is, it's God's to give. And all we have to do now because of Jesus is just openly receive it. And I have, uh, I, I'm going to end with this because I, I said I was, I was going to change things up today. So I have one more photo I want to show. And listen, y'all. No, well, listen, this, it's funny, but. This is for you because when my heart, when my heart, when God was said, look where you're standing, you got to understand. David had a crazy story from a young boy to, to what was it, 37 till he started to rule. And then even in his older age, he trusted God. Some of the older songs, psalms, he's still saying uh, all of these things that shows that where he's still founded in. 
And the thing on my heart today of where you stand and look where you're standing is, this is my beautiful wife, y'all. Yeah. And to y'all, this just looks like a normal picture. But we were, I was dropping her off and, uh, and I was like, hey, let me grab a picture. This is your first day of school. She's, and, the, and the kids, the kids were like, they're laughing. They're like, ah, first day of school, blah, blah. But what was so cool to me was that I, I was like, look at you getting ready to walk in and look where you're standing. God has brought you through and has stuck with you. And the more that you trusted him, he walked you into a, into a place. And this is, this is for you. I love you so much. But look where you're standing. It started with a little boy introducing you to come into church. And through that, you begin to love God. You begin to trust God. You begin to do all these things. And this road looked a little crazy, but if you can really stop and look at this, this is a picture of when you trust God, and you're like, what, this, this doesn't mean anything. I know it does to you, but when you trust him, and you realize where you're standing, and whatever it is you're going through or walk through, it's only him. They can get these moments in your life to say, hey, that's, I can only give that back to you. And you might say this is so small, but today what I want to challenge you with is what, what in your life has, have you lost heart for? What has something that's come up against whatever's standing in between you and God, you have said, hey, I don't. I just, right now, this isn't the time. Right now, this isn't this. I, I, don't, I don't this. I, I don't know where, I don't know where, but I want you to understand what you're doing and that you're putting trust in something else. It's not going to be easy. Everyone says that. But guess what? It never starts if you don't start to face it. If you don't start to put the trust and get to the line to face the thing and put your faith there, like I said earlier, heaven doesn't have a chance to access earth. So today, will you, will you, will everybody stand with me? So that you can come up.